Well, uh, I'm going to just give you a little heads up. Turn to Romans 12. We're going to get there in just a moment. Uh, we are starting a new teaching series today, as Scott mentioned, uh, Do Unto Others. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, speaking of like glow in the dark tonight, I came in early this morning, pulled in the parking lot, and I saw Kelly Grafe, and I said, hey, I said, uh, excuse me, I heard I could get a Reese cup here. And she said, sir, that's later tonight. That's tonight you got to come back. So... Uh, looking forward to tonight, seeing many of you at 5.30 and stop by with your kids, whatever. Just come out and hang out with us a little bit. We're looking forward to a great night. But um, how many know this is, how many, let me ask this. How many have been praying for our country? We really need to do that. We're going to do that at the close of this service today as well. We, need, we certainly need to pray for America. And uh, we're starting a new series today called Do Unto Others, all right? And it's not only a new series, but it's the presidential election weekend. And I've been a part of many of these over my 30 years here at GT, but I can honestly tell you, and I'm sure you've sensed it too, it's never felt quite like this. 2020, the pandemic, all the things that are going on in our country and so forth. And now this weekend, we're going to be, this week, we're going to be electing a president for our country. And so... Uh, as Scott said, I really believe it is a timely word. And let me tell you this, I, it's only happened to me a few times in my years here at GT, but <clears throat> I was all prepared. I had my sermon entirely written, and I was praying over it. I was taking my message from 1 John. And, but the middle part of this week, I just as I was praying over it, I really felt this nudge and impression from the Holy Spirit saying this, Brian, you're missing it. This isn't the word I want you to bring. And so you know what you do when the Holy Spirit says that? You just crumble it up and throw it in the trash can. Um, and so he directed me to Romans 13 and said, here's where I want you to bring the word from. And so uh, I'm going to encourage you to turn there. I'm going to give you the bottom line, too, because as you know, the do unto others, what, what is that? What do we often refer to that? Uh, the golden rule, right? And if you're watching online and you're in the chat, type, type in right now the golden rule. You know what it is. Uh, do unto others as you would what? Have them do unto you. But here's the bottom line. Most of us, many of us, that aren't even, people that aren't even believers, that don't even follow Jesus, know what the golden rule is. Many of us have committed the golden rule to memory. So we've committed the golden rule to memory. You know where we really need to commit it to? We need to commit it to life. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing entirely to live it. Bible tells us that we're not only to be hearers of the word, but we're to be what? Doers of the word. So we need to commit the golden rule to memory, sure, but we need to commit it to our life. And so uh, it's got to be more than just a phrase. So turn with me to Romans. Uh, I said I'm preaching from Romans 13, but I'm going to start in the larger context of Romans chapter 12. So if you turn there with me to verse number nine, uh, it's kind of interesting when you look at the context of of this chapter. When you turn to the book of Romans, uh, Paul is obviously writing to the church at Rome. And when you're reading in Romans 12, it's, it, it's, he's talking about how they interact with others, how you can love other people, how you can live at peace with other people. And then he goes into Romans 13, almost with no introduction, it almost seems out of place, and he just starts talking about civil obedience. 
about being a part of this world. He starts talking about human governments. And so it's interesting, and I want us to begin in Romans 12, beginning in verse 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so if your translation's a little different, you'll know why. But here's what he says in Romans 12, 9. Paul says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. You say, Brian, what does that mean in the Greek? Well, let me tell you. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. The title of my message today is Give Love. And that's, the the series obviously is doing others, but I want to talk today about giving love. And my first point right out of Romans 12 is really give love to others. You know, love, and you've heard me say it many times, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, we read it at weddings, you know, we have one word for love, right? We, you know, we love, you know, pizza, I love my wife, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't even know why I just said that, that couldn't have been God. You know, I love, we love, 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 right? We love a lot of stuff. The Bible, you hear it, it's agape, Filio, eros, there's different words for love. But we really need to give agape. We need to give godly love to others. Paul goes on. So that's first point, really give love to others. Now Paul says, look what he says in the next verse. How do I do that? Paul begins to explain how do we do that. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. I'm gonna spend a lot of time in the word today. Love each other, here it is again, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So it's not something we have to do. It ought to be something that gives us delight that we love each other, that we're really making an effort to honor and love and appreciate other people. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. And in this series of Do Unto Others, we're gonna talk about give love. Next week, with veterans, we're gonna talk about this very text, give honor. In a couple weeks, I'm coming right back to Romans 13 to talk about give hope. The church's calling is to give hope, to live out this confident hope in our lives, all right? So uh, we're glad you're joining us, and we'll make sure you tune in next week or attend Kutztown or West Lawn next week. And then he goes on, look what Paul says. Not only rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble. How many, how many think that's a verse that could apply to our life right now? And keep on praying. So not just being patient, but be prayerful. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. It sounds a little bit like what we spoke on last week on countercultural. It sounds almost like one of the Beatitudes. Paul is restating how we really love each other. So when we say, oh, I really love you, you know, what does that mean? Well, it means that you're a blessing. It means that you're appreciative. It means that you serve. He goes on in verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Wow, what a thought something not really happening a whole lot in America. I certainly hope it's happening in your home. Honestly, I have literally heard families that have been divided by this presidential election. Cousins that won't talk to uncles and people that won't talk to other members of their family because you're voting for who? 
Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy company of ordinary people. Raise your hand if you're an ordinary person. Yeah, I'm an ordinary person. Then he goes on to say this, and don't think you know it all. Now, don't nudge anybody sitting near you, okay? Let the Lord speak to you today. Come on now, everybody. But how many know that our world would benefit if people started acting like they don't know it all? We're smarter together. We're better together. We can learn from the word of God. Look at verse 17. This is how we really love people. Paul's kind of laying out, how do you do this? How do you really love someone? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. What a reminder. When you make that post on social media, you say, do you say to yourself, well, I hope this brings peace. From some of the stuff I read, I don't know that people pray that before they post it. Dear friends, take, never take revenge. Leave that. Notice this. Never take revenge personally, but Paul says, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Listen, we don't have to worry about paying back revenge or I'm going to get even. You know what? What we need to do is trust God. If someone's wronged you, done something they shouldn't have do, you pray for those who persecute you. You, you just kind of, you do more for them in that way, all right? Pray for them and trust God that God's going to square things up in this world one day. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame upon their heads. And then Paul wraps up Romans 12 by saying this, verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil, how? By doing good. What a thought. What a thought. We talk about, we need to meditate on that. You know, honestly, we could read Romans 12. We could just take the rest of today and read those verses over and over to say, God, help me to live this. I want the golden rule to be more than something I've got in my head. Yeah, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Uh, no, we need to make that our life and say, God, help me not to just memorize that. Help me to live that. Listen, Paul is writing this letter to the Romans uh, they are Christians, right? They're, they're Jews and they're Gentiles that have come to know Jesus Christ. They're living in the Roman Empire. Now, I gotta remind you of some context here. The present leader of Rome is Nero. The former emperor of Rome, when before Paul actually wrote this, was Claudius. The Bible tells us in Acts 18 that he was deporting Jews out of Rome. Acts 18, it's right in the scripture. It's where Paul is meeting Aquila and Priscilla, and the Bible says that they had just been shipped to Italy, he and his wife. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. So, I mean, think of the context that this Roman letter is written. I want us to think about it today as we go through this, because when we leave Romans 12 and we go into 13, it's like, man, where did that come from? He's talking about loving others and being supportive and truly, really loving people, and then he talks about our civil duties as citizens of the country we live in, all right? So Paul is writing this letter while Nero, one of the most wicked, evil rulers of all time, is leading Rome. Are you with me, church? 
Now, contrary to what a lot of people believe, Rome allowed people to believe certain things. They were conquering much of the known world. It's the Roman Empire. They're taking over the world. So they would take over this country, and if they worshiped other gods, Rome would let them do that. Here's what Rome wouldn't let you do. You couldn't have any large assemblies meeting that were working against Rome. They had to know everything. They live conscious that everyone wants to upset the Roman Empire, all right? That was one thing. Second thing was citizens had to proclaim publicly their allegiance to the emperor. In fact, there was a kind of a cult fraction in the Roman Empire that they literally would try to get you to worship the emperor as God. Now, that created a great problem for the Jews and the Christians who are monotheistic. We know that there's only one God. The emperor is not God. But this is the context in which this is being written. Nero served as the emperor of Rome from 54 to 68 uh, AD. And so, listen, when you read the Bible, when you read the word, it is true biblically what God says. It is true historically is what God's saying. So Christians and Jews feared Nero, and they couldn't, they loathed him. They, he, they knew that he was a danger to them. In fact, both Peter and Paul, the apostles, were, were, their life was ended under Nero. They gave their lives for Jesus Christ under that Roman Empire. So if anybody really understood what they were talking about, and Paul is obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit as he writes Romans 13, Paul, who would end up losing his life to Nero, Peter, who would end up being crucified upside down, they understood what we're going to look at today. And church, you and I need to remember what Romans 13 says to the church. Now, in Paul's day, when he writes this, when he writes Romans 13, there is no Christian consensus. There's no constitution, all right? The, the, the country, America, wasn't even formed. So there's no articles, there's no constitution, there's none of that. There's no Jewish theocracy. It's not like, oh, there's a king in Israel. There's none of that. The scriptures in Romans 13 are written to every age, to every culture, to every country. I, I really, God does not put uh, his approval on any form of government. Now, I really do believe that the country we live in, we are blessed to have a constitution, to have this balance of power between the executive branch, the ju judicial branch, the legislative. I really believe we are blessed to live in this country. I've been in many countries in the world that operate completely different than America. If you're blessed to live in America, say amen. Man, when you start thinking, oh, America and America this, I'm gonna tell you what. What you need to do is hop on an airplane and go a few other places. Is it easy? No. Is it difficult? You better believe it. But we live in a great country. So Paul is reminding us, here's my second point. We need, to, we, need to give, we need to really give love to others. Secondly, love gives respect to those in authority. I'm gonna read it one more time to get at least one amen or something on chat. Love gives respect to those in authority. Look what he says in, in Romans 13.1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. You say, well, I don't know. Time out. Hang on. I don't know about that. I'm just the paper boy. I just deliver the news. I didn't write it. For all authority comes from God. Underline that in your Bible. All authority 
comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That's a really big statement. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Friends, what we need to realize today in the context, God has established human government. You know, if you, if you go back, and this isn't in the notes, but I just, this thought came to me as you read through the Bible, when Cain killed Abel, God took control of that situation. There was no human government. God put a mark on Cain and said, if anybody touches him, you're going you're to receive seven times the judgment. I'm going to deal with that. He killed his brother. There was no human government. God said, whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Now God institutes human government. This is a really interesting thing. You think about the various forms of authority that God has placed. The government, human government, has been established by God around the world. There's authority in the local church. There's authority in family. There's authority in your career and who employs you. And there are you know, people at work and say, hey, here's our handbook. Here's what you need to do. How many are with me? All authority comes from God. Now, here's the big thing to remember. Because we live in a fallen world, because of the sinful nature of human beings, here's what we need to remember. Many times authority gets misused. People take advantage of the authority that they've been given. They forget that the authority that they have comes from God. And we're seeing that in some ways. That's why we pray for our police. We pray for those who serve in our community. We pray for politicians because that establishment, that um, human government, those things have been placed there by God. Paul said all authority comes from God. I would encourage you to join us this Wednesday. We, we hop online. It's called Growing Together. I'd encourage you to jump, jump online with us this week, 7 o'clock. We're going to talk about this in a deeper way. We're going to talk about is there ever a time when we can you know, resist civil obedience or when? what about when governments ask people to do things that aren't according to this? We're going to talk about it. So join us, if you would, Wednesday at 7 o'clock. But here's the one thing, too, I want you to remember beside the bottom line of committing not only the golden rule to memory but committing it to life. Can I tell you one thing, too? Jesus Christ is our Savior, not the Republicans and not the Democrats. Can you say amen? Jesus Christ is our Savior. Paul is writing this under the leadership of Nero. And here's what he says. Nero is in charge of Rome, and here's what Paul writes in Romans 13.1. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And I'll say this, just like you know the word says about preachers, preachers are gonna get a double judgment when they stand before God. And I really believe that those who've been placed in authority, those who've been judges, those who've served as presidents, they're gonna give their accountability to God one day because God has placed people in positions of authority. He's ordained human government. You can look at this through all through the Bible. And I won't take a lot of time with this, but you, look, you think about Jeroboam, the sons of Solomon. Rehoboam was to take over for King Solomon, but Jeroboam fought against that. That's when the kingdom became divided. And yet, even though he did that, here's what the word says in 1 Kings 12, 15, that this was the way God turned the situation. It was to establish the prophecy of Hajjajiah. So you see human government's a part of that. Something maybe more familiar, Nebuchadnezzar. 
How many have read about Nebuchadnezzar? Pretty wicked king. The king of Babylon. All right? You say, how could God use somebody that's a pagan worshiper of idols? How could God use Nebuchadnezzar? You know what? God is all-powerful. God has more power than anything in this world. And here's what the word says about Nebuchadnezzar. God refers to him as his servant. Jeremiah 27, 6, that he gave all the land he conquered into his hand. So God, you know, the Bible says that the king's heart can be stirred like a river. God is in charge of everything. All authority has been given by God. Let me go to one more example. This may be more familiar. Pilate, Jesus Christ. We were singing today about the cross. And you think about Jesus Christ, who is the son of the living God. He is the word that became flesh. He created this world we live in, and now he is standing before Pilate in Rome, who's overseeing this, obviously, in Israel and, and Judea. And here, you, you remember this conversation that Jesus and Pilate had. Here it is in John 19. So Pilate said to him, talking to Jesus, he's been flogged, he's been beaten. He's staying there with a crown of thorns jammed to his head, bleeding, and Pilate is talking to him, and he says this, you do not speak to me? Pilate is looking Jesus right in the face and say, I'm talking to you, and you're not responding to me? He says, do you not know that I have authority to release you? And I have authority to crucify you? Why are you talking to me, Jesus? Because I, the decision I make, you're either gonna go free or you're going to the cross. You remember that? Jesus answered, powerful. You would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. What a powerful statement. He's telling Jesus, I can set you free. I can crucify you. Jesus is saying, no, God's in charge. I'm going to the cross whether, no matter what you say because I'm gonna die for the sins of the world. That's God's will, not your will. Every bit of authority you have, Pilate, comes from God. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has greater sin. Paul says in, Rome, in Romans 13 too, so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted, and they will be punished. So human government, as much as, how many are ready for the ads to be over? You know, if, if you've ever felt like turning off your TV, now's a good time. That's why voting is so important. I want to tell you, I'm going to preach on this today. I'm going to get it real practical. You and I need to vote. And I'm going to give you a biblical basis for it. If you're taking notes, jot it down. Number one, when you and I vote, we are, here's what we're called to do. And I've been saying this for years. Almost every presidential election, I will say things very similar to this. Number one, you and I as Christians are called to, to support candidates and issues that are biblically based. You say, well, Brian, I don't know. Well, I do. That's what the Bible calls us to do. We're Christians. We're followers of Christ. We support biblical truth by voting in favor of issues. And not just, you know, not just personalities and this and that. But we're voting on really knowing the issues. You say, I don't know, this whole thing. I'm, not even, you know, I'm so messed up with that. I'm not even going to vote. I want to tell you what. You need to really think about that. Because I don't believe that's right. 
The Bible says we can bring God's thoughts to the public square. Proverbs 13, 14 says, a nation is exalted those who serve the Lord. So when you vote, that's a big deal. It's to practice civil obedience. You realize in our Constitution, in the 15th, in the 19th, and the 26th Amendment, we're given the right to vote. Thank God, I've been in a lot of countries where they don't have the right to vote. You can make your voice heard. We need to vote. Some of you probably have already voted, but if you hadn't, you really need to pray and let God lead you to vote on Tuesday, all right? We vote to uphold biblical values. We, we, we know things about the world that the world doesn't even know. Do you realize that? There's natural thinking and then there's spiritual thinking. Philippians 2, verses 13 through 16 talk about we're to let our light shine in this world. That we're to hold forth the word of life. You say, well, how do I do that with voting? When you vote, you're voting for candidates that will support as close as possible. There's no perfect candidate. How many know that? We're never gonna have this God-fearing whatever. I don't know that we'll ever have that. You need to vote for the person that most closely has issues that support this book. When we vote, we stand against the evil in this nation. I want to tell you, there's a lot of stuff in the platforms today that are evil, that are totally against this book. St. Augustine, I love this quote. Here's what Augustine said. Those who are citizens of God's kingdom are best equipped to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And why is that? Because there are things that we know about the world and the fallen nature of man and what the Bible says is right and what the Bible says is wrong, what is good and what is sin. And we need to vote and do our part in saying, God, I'm gonna do all I can to at least put someone into office that's close to this book. None of them are perfect. You know what Isaiah says? Isaiah says in the last days they're gonna take good and call it evil and they're gonna take evil and call it good. That's the day we live in right now. Listen, we can't vote because, well, that's the way my family always voted. I know you get into these party lines. Well, generations, we've been this. We've been Republican. We've been Democrat. We're independent. You know, I want to tell you right now, my, my word to you as a pastor is that's not the way you should vote. You should say what platform this year right now lines up most. It's not perfect. It's not the Bible. But whatever they're doing to say, is this closer to the Bible or isn't it? And I'm telling you right now, it's not easy. We've got to really pray over that. But you can't say, well, I've always been this, or I've always voted this way. No, things change. How many know things change in this world? We shouldn't vote toward personalities because there's things in both the candidates' personalities that we're like, can you please just whatever? We're not voting for personality. We're voting for those platforms that say, you know what, God, I want this country to know you, and I want to get as close as we can in those platforms to your word. Two more things on this, to put our prayers into action. You know, we are called in 1 Timothy chapter 2 to pray for those in authority over us. Romans says God's put the authority there. It's come from him. We are called to pray for them. Why? That we would live quiet and peaceful lives. How many know in 2020 you don't feel much of that at all? But when you vote, you're putting actions to your prayers because you're praying probably for that candidate that you're voting for, right? So it's putting our prayers into actions. 
We want to promote biblical truth in our culture, certainly proclaiming the word of God. We're not Republican or Democrat. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just saying you need to pray for this nation and you need to vote. And you need to vote according to the word of God. The last thing on this is that we need to function as salt and light. What is salt? It's a preservative. I believe when we're voting as much as we can for biblical values, we're, we're, there's a preservative conscience that Christians, I believe as evangelical Christians, we need to vote. I mean, we can pray, 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 but if we don't vote, if we're, we are citizens of that kingdom, amen, but we're also citizens of America. So we need to cast our vote. The purpose of government, why did God create government? God created government to protect its citizens, to punish evil. Look what he says in verses three through four, right out of the Bible. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right. If they do that, then they're not, they're not serving the way God created them to serve. And that does happen. But in those who are doing wrong, but would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. And again, remember, the sinful nature the sinfulness of man sometimes misuses their authority. It's very common. Look at verse four. The authorities are God's servants sent for good. There it is. That's the purpose of human government. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid for you have, they have the power to punish you. They don't hold the sword in vain. They can say freeze. They can say stop. Listen, there, there, there can be anarchy in the world if there's no human government. And I know that authority can be misused, and I know it can be a complex issue, but friends, human government was put there by God for good. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those that do what is wrong. I mean, you think about what happened this week in Philadelphia. Looting and rioting. I'm not saying peaceful protest, taking a stand. I'm all good with that. But when you are lawless and you're destroying a store and you're stealing for a, uh, from a store owner because you're you know, trying to say something about something else, I want to tell you, that's wrong. And we can thank God for our police and we can thank God for those who protect us. Can you say amen? Paul writes in verse five, so you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment but also to keep your to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes. How many can say amen to that? And here's why. If you don't pay your taxes, you're gonna have a prison ministry. God will use you in prison. Some of you are getting that. For government workers need to be paid. Why? Look what it says. They are serving God in what they do. Now, they may not be aware of that. You remember Xerxes? Nehemiah sees Jerusalem broken down and God lays it on Xerxes' heart, who's a total pagan, to pay for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Nothing's impossible with God. Give to every, everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees and those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Can I tell you right now, you're gonna vote for somebody this week. Can you say Amen. And your vote's gonna help that somebody win. Can I tell you how the church is gonna win? When we react the right way after the election. We shouldn't sound and act and be living like everyone else. I, in my 30 years after this election, people are in depression. Oh, I'm so depressed. Listen, God's in charge of this world. 
We need to do our part. We need to vote. We need to pray. And then put it in God's hands. Well, what if the Democrats win? Well, what if the Republicans win? What if God wins? He's our savior. The church is gonna win when we treat other people the way we wanna be treated. When we do unto others, when we give love rather than disrespect and arrogance and all kinds of stuff. Final point, and I'm gonna be done. Giving love fulfills God's requirements. So it's, it's funny, he's talking in Romans 12, love each other, really love each other. I don't want you to pretend, I want you to really love each other. Hate what's evil, hold on to what's good. Serve God with enthusiasm. If there's people in need, help them. If your enemy's in need, help your enemy. Then he gives this interlude about human government, how we're to give honor and respect to those in authority, even if it's Nero. The last thing he goes back, giving Love fulfills God's requirements. Look at Romans 13, 8. Owe nothing to anyone, Paul says, except. If you have a debt or you owe something, here's what you need to owe. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. What What a debt to pay. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Forget man's law now. Forget, you know, policies and and laws and governments. Forget driving 55 on the highway. He's saying now God's law is that you're gonna fulfill it if you love one another. When you and I give love, when we really give and express love in a godly way, not just I love this and I love that, but when I agape love you or other people, I am fulfilling God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commands are summed up. All those commands are summed up in this. In this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. That's Paul quoting Jesus from Matthew 7. That takes us right back to countercultural. That takes us right back to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12, do unto others whatever you would like them to do unto you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You know what's said in the Old Testament? How many of your favorite book of the Bible is Leviticus? Raise your hand. You love Leviticus. Your life verse is from there. Oh, I thought I saw a hand. So blood sacrifice isn't one of your big things. Do you know what it says in Leviticus 19, 18? Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. The golden rule in Leviticus, the golden rule in Matthew, the golden rule in Romans 13. We're to do unto others. We are to give love. And you want to sum up all the book, all the commands. You really want to live the Christian life, then you need to love other people the way you would naturally love yourself. And can I tell you, even as a believer, we can take it beyond that. We can love other people the way God would want to love them. Paul says to the Corinthians, don't look at people just according to the flesh anymore. Don't look at people that can benefit you or help you. You look at them through my eyes. You be an ambassador for me. Do you know how bad America needs God right now? We need to pray for our country. In fact, the last verse he gives there in verse 10, not the last verse, but close to it, he said, love does no wrong to others, so fulfills the requirements of God's law. In a moment, um, Eric's gonna come at Kutztown and he's gonna close out there with prayer like I am here. 
But can friends, can I tell you as we get ready to close today, you're watching online, wherever you're watching this, you may be listening to this in a couple days, I don't know. But here's what I wanted to, do you know what season we're really living in? You say, yeah, we're living in, uh, it's time to elect a new president. No, there's a greater season than that. Well, we're living in a real tough season, Brian. Like, we gotta wear masks and it's still all this social distancing and that's true. But there's a more important season than that. Well, my kids are at home and then they're at school a couple days and it's just a tough time. Yeah, it is a tough time. But we need to be reminded today there's even a greater season than that. Paul talks about really loving each other. Paul talks about giving honor and respect, that when we do that, that's a way of showing love as a Christian. If he can say that about Nero, friends, listen, we can say it about Biden or Trump. Are you with me? But here's how Paul closes. And this is how I'm going to close today. Verse 11. He says all this about giving love and giving honor and giving respect. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Verse 11, Paul, this is what he writes to the Romans. This is all the more urgent. He's writing a letter. What I'm saying to you today is more urgent, he's saying. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. What a statement. As I read that, I read it a couple times. He's saying this is all the more urgent. Everything I just said to you about loving each other, about being hospitable, about being kind, all the songs we sang earlier today in worship of who God is and how God reacts. I want you to live like that because the time is urgent. Time is running out. He's saying to the Roman church, wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Man, is that true? If that is true to the Roman Christians in 50 AD, what does it say to the believers in 2020? Friends, we're living in the last days. Do I know when Jesus is coming back? No, I don't. Could I ever predict it? Absolutely not. But I want to tell you this, we're living in the last days. There's never been a time for the church to be praying. We need revival in America. We need America to come back to God. Yes, we need to vote. Yes, we need to do that. But we need to live out our Christian life. We need to do unto others. Eric is going to pray there at Kutztown. I'm going to pray for us here. I want you just to close your eyes. I know you got your masks on, but can we just close our eyes? Can we just have a moment to reflect? And then I'm going to call us to pray. If you're watching online today, you're here at West Lawn. I want to encourage you today. God, you know, Scott Noggle said, we're for Burks, and we love this county, yes. But I want to tell you that God is for you. In all the confusion, in all the chaos, in all the seeming hatred, I want to tell you there is a God who loves you. You're watching online in your living room from a dorm room. It doesn't matter where you are. God is there and God loves you. All authority comes from God. Not all the confusion. This world has fallen. God created it perfectly, but man fell. It goes back to the garden. They wanted to be like God and act like God, and man's been doing that ever since. Yes, authority gets misused. Yes, there's some really difficult things, but friend, I want to tell you today, God loves you. He told Pilate, 
you'd have no authority over me if it had not been given to you. Jesus Christ hung on that cross for our sins. Not because of the Jews, not because of Pilate, not because of nails. His love, his agape love hung him there on that cross. And if you need him in your life, then today I want you to respond to that. Is there anybody here at West Lawn? You just lift up your hand and say, Brian, that's me. I walked in today. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe it's your first time. Is there anybody here today that would lift your hand and say, Brian, I don't really know him. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over here too. Anybody else? Whether you're here or you're watching online, I'm gonna pray right now. And you just repeat this prayer after me. And I, it not just re- repeating a repair doesn't save you. It's when you really confess it with your mouth and you really believe in your heart. You can stand in your garage and go, room, room, that doesn't make you a car. How many know what I'm talking about? You go into McDonald's today, if you do, we'll pray for you. But if you do, it doesn't make you a hamburger. So when you confess this prayer and you really believe it, God will change your life. So let's pray together. Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I give my life to you. Be my Lord. Forgive my sins, God. Help me to live under your authority, under your love. I get rid of my own ways. They lead to death. I give my life to you. I surrender to you right now. Not only today, but for my future, that I can spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. For the people here at West Lawn, yeah, let's give it up, man. Thank God for that. I'm getting so old now, it's hard to really remember how many ever feel that pain. But I remember at 17 years of age, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I thought, now what? I prayed that prayer. And so maybe if you're here, or you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, you say, now what? How do I? Well, we have some materials we want to get to you. It's just called First Steps. It helps you take your first steps in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because today isn't the end. It's, not, it's the beginning of a whole new life. And so if you would leave us your email, give us contact information, we can send this to you electronically. It sits out in front of all of our churches. You can pick it up on your way out today. It's there. You don't, no one has to hand it to you, but we'll want to make sure that you get this and let us know that God's done something in your life today. Will you do that? Uh, let's all stand. I'm going to ask us to do one more thing before we close. We're going to pray for America. Can we do that? And I, I don't want you just to listen to me. And I know you got your mask on, but I want you, and when I, when I pray, and uh, you know what? I'm gonna put my mask on too because my glasses will get steamed up and it takes me longer to shop and get my groceries. I understand that. I hate this thing too like you do. We're gonna pray. Father God, right now we pray. God, we pray for our country. We pray for America. God, we know these next couple days are going to be challenging and difficult. And Lord, I yet I pray today we've heard your word. I pray today, God, that we've been challenged, God, to do what we can for our country and to pray for those in authority, to go out and vote, to understand the platform, to vote as best we can, God, for the candidate that's going to support your word. None of it's perfect. It's hard. It's challenging. But God, we want to honor you today. 
Thank you that we live in this country. Thank you, God, that we're free. Thank you for our spiritual freedoms, oh God, for the religious freedom that we have. And God, I pray your blessing over every person today. God, we lift our voice for this election that you, God, you have given all authority. It gets misused. It gets, it's used in sinful ways at times, God, all around the world. But God, we pray for America. We pray for revival. We pray for people to come to know you because that's what's really going to change us, Lord. You're our Savior. Thank you for those today that have given their life to Christ, whether they're watching online, whether they're here. Good sound, God. Would you help them grow and start this new journey in you? God, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and love to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody that loves the Lord said amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for the start of our Do Unto Others sermon series. Pastor Brian brought an encouraging word on how to give love to others. I hope you'll take some time to reflect on his message and join us for our Growing Together segment this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on our Facebook and YouTube channel. We'll dive even further into some of the things that were discussed today and answer any questions you may have. We've got a lot of things happening here at GT Church, like our free glow-in-the-dark drive-through event tonight at 5.30 p.m. You can stay connected with GT Church all week long by following us on social media everywhere at GT Church Online. You can also download our GT Church app. It's a great resource and you can find everything you need there. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you this Wednesday night for our Growing Together segment on Facebook and YouTube at 7 p.m.